0: Well today, as we all know, is Christmas Day. We have reached this day and it would be amiss of us to not spend some time actually talking about Jesus Christ, who Christmas is all about. You know, for all the Christians in the room, we love the the decorations, we love all of the music, we love the festive celebrations, the food, the spending time with family, but we also know that there's a deeper meaning behind all of it. You see, the God of the Bible is actually a God who loves fun. He loves celebration. In fact, all throughout the Bible, he tells us to have feasts and festivals for every occasion to celebrate. He's saying, hey, would you pause and acknowledge what I'm doing here? Would you pause and just take a moment to celebrate and to rest? And so I think it's important that we celebrate and have a really good time on Christmas, but also remember why we have Christmas in the first place. You know, what really matters most is that there was a baby born in Bethlehem who had been predicted or prophesied thousands of years before his birth. And his arrival was the most spectacular moment in history when the God of the universe entered into his very own creation. It was spectacular, but if you were here yesterday, you would also remember that it wasn't the wrapping that we expected. It wasn't this grand, glorious entrance for a king. In fact, it was a very humble, quiet entrance. It wasn't what we expected. You see, he didn't come as a mighty king or... A military leader, like what people thought they were waiting on, like what they thought they wanted. Instead, he came as this sweet little baby to a poor village girl who ended up placing him in a manger because there was nowhere else to really put this baby to rest. And in the book of Matthew, we read that God raised a star out of Israel to inform everyone that Jesus was arriving. Now, if you were here last Sunday, you would have heard Frosty's message about the Magi, the wise men. If you haven't heard it, you can go find our podcast and go back to that. But he spoke about how there were some interesting responses from different groups of people about the announcement of this newborn king. You see, the people in Israel who should have been excited, were actually the ones who dis, who were disturbed at the news. When they heard that there was a new king, it was the people in Israel who were disturbed because all of a sudden this was a threat to their own power and their own authority. And then On the other side of things, there was people in a faraway land who had historically mistreated the Israelites and instead of them being disturbed that all of a sudden the God of Israel is raising up a king for his people, the people that they've been mistreating instead of being disturbed, they're actually really excited and they wanna go meet this newborn king themselves. That is such a bizarre set of responses. You see, most people have heard about the wise men when it comes to the Christmas story. They see the star rise up in the sky, they they get excited, and then they start to follow this star to go find where baby Jesus is so that they can worship him and bring him gifts. So let's go to the book of Matthew chapter two. Verse nine to 12 says, after this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Herod was the king at the time. Now, although these wise men were likely Persian astrologers, their entire experience in this story is actually far more relatable than you might think. Unless you're already a Persian astrologer, then maybe you relate in another way. But there's a few things that we can learn from them, and it's really simple. It's something that all of us can understand, even the kids hanging out here on the front row, figuring out the Christmas story through their cool activity books. How y'all doing? Good? So good. But there's a few things that we can know. And the first is this, Jesus is for everyone. He is absolutely 100% for everyone. The first thing that we see in this text is that when the wise men see the star announcing the arrival of Jesus, they are filled with joy. Absolute joy. These stargazing astrologers were from a land that had mistreated the Jews for hundreds of years. And this was gonna be the king of the Jews the king of the people they had been mistreating. Now, if anyone should have been afraid of a triumphant king raising up for the people of Israel, it should have been them. Now, if anyone was disqualified from being close to this heavenly king, it was them. They lived in a distant land, and they would have only heard about this God of Israel actually through the people they took captive. How bizarre is that? They had taken Jews captive in their land, but these Jews that were taken captive kept telling their captors about scripture. They kept telling their captors about their God. They kept believing and having faith so that all of a sudden when this star raises up, they know what this star represents because the people they held captive told them. Absolutely incredible. And he realized in this moment, these wise men, that this savior, that was rising up for the people of Israel was also a savior for them. And they got excited to go find him. And even Paul highlights this in the New Testament in Romans chapter one, verse 16 and 17. He says, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. Gentile simply means non-Jew. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever felt distant from God like the wise men did. See, I'm not sure how much you've heard about God growing up. Maybe you didn't come from a Christian family and you've only heard secondhand stories like these Persian astrologers did. But these wise men, they understood something powerful from all these stories they heard. They understood that Jesus may not be from my land, but he is after my heart. See, you might not have grown up knowing the Bible stories or knowing about Jesus, but Jesus is after your heart. He is so after your heart. You see, Jesus could have had every reason to turn his back on these wise men, to turn his back on these people because of their disobedience, because of their mistreatment of the Jews, but yet they knew for some reason they could approach this newborn king without any fear in their heart, without any trepidation, without any nervousness. They actually approached him with joy, bringing an offering that was just abundant an overflow of this excitement they had. Because they knew that this king, this Jesus, was loving, was gracious, and indescribably kind. Coming into the presence of Jesus should actually give us so much joy. We don't need to approach Jesus with fear. We don't need to approach Jesus thinking he's going to judge us or banish us from his presence. We can approach him knowing that he is loving and he is gracious and he is so after our hearts. The second thing that's highlighted with these wise men is that we all have a journey. We all have a journey. When Jesus is born in Bethlehem, just as the Bible talks about thousands of years before his birth, some people had front row seats. They were right there in the same city. We talked about it yesterday a little bit. And others were hundreds of miles away. Some were close to Jesus from the start, and others had only heard these secondhand stories about him. And it's believed that by scholars that these wise men had to travel a very long distance. They reckon it was 500 to 900 miles to get to Jesus. And there's a few reasons we know this. If we could have a few teenagers come sit with these kids, that would be awesome. Frankincense and myrrh, these were only grown in a certain area. They were only grown in eastern Africa, the Arabian Peninsula, and as far west as eastern India. And the Bible says that these wise men came from the east. So they were likely Indians, Persians, or Arabians. But because they knew Hebrew scripture, we can come to the conclusion that they were most likely from Persia because it was in that place that Jews had been exiled and they had set up homes. And it was in that place that Jews would have spoken about these scriptures so that when the star came up, these astrologers knew exactly what that meant. So they traveled about 800 to 1,500 kilometers. And I Googled the distance of New Zealand yesterday. Top to bottom, New Zealand is about 1,600 kilometers, according to Google. So imagine that long of a journey on foot or on the back of a camel. And they left when Jesus was born a baby. But by the time that they arrived, it was most likely they were meeting a little boy, a little toddler. It was a long journey and probably a hard road. Now, some of you here can relate to that. Maybe it's been a long journey for you and a hard road to come to this place where all of a sudden you're discovering Jesus for the first time. And yet for others, maybe you grew up in a Christian home. Maybe you heard these stories from when you were a little baby. Maybe you grew up in a church and you were in the TOTS program, then to Sparks, Power Zone, all the way up, and you knew all the stories and it's always been a part of your life. Look, we all have a different journey and that's totally okay. We all have different journeys, but the destination for all of us is Jesus. We're all trying to search for him. See, for some of you, maybe you grew up in church and maybe you gave your life to God at a very young age. How beautiful that you had parents that would pave the way for you to make faith a little bit easier for you to grasp. How beautiful that we have kids up here on the front row that are introduced to the concept of Jesus from a very young age where they can understand their purpose that is on their life, the value on their life. How beautiful that they're gonna know the stories of Jesus from a young age. But that's not everybody's journey. Maybe for you, somebody had been praying for you for years before you ever walked into church. How special that somebody cared enough about your soul to pray that you would be welcomed in to a church one day, to pray that you would hear the gospel message one day, to pray. They cared enough about your soul that they wanted you to know Jesus. Or maybe somebody invited you to an event. Maybe somebody just invited you to come hang out here on Christmas morning. and This is your first time in a church. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. But how beautiful that somebody might love you enough that they would invite you to come experience the same salvation and hope and peace and joy that they've experienced. How beautiful that they love you enough that they would invite you to be a part of it too. Or maybe you used to go to church, but when you were there, maybe you were there not really seeking Jesus. Maybe you were there just out of routine or obligation to your family, but all of a sudden you've returned with this eager heart and an open mind. How sweet that God drew you back to him and how brave of you to return. You see, this is more of my story. I grew up in church. I grew up knowing the Bible stories. I went to a Presbyterian church and a Catholic school. I knew all the stories about Jesus. But then I had a long journey through uni, and then God drew me back to him. And he welcomed me back with open arms and this beautiful heart. And it was at the age of 22 when my relationship with God truly began. Before that, it just felt like religion. Frosty, on the other hand, he didn't grow up in a Christian home. Many of you know his story because he shared his testimony a few different times, but he was a bit like the wise men. He was very distant from God, and he had only ever heard secondhand stories from others, and to be honest, he didn't really believe them. It was a longer journey for him, but when he was 20 years old, he was drawn to Jesus just like the wise men were, and it was the moment he bowed down to worship him that Frosty's new life began. You know, he would say that he was distant, his heart was hard, he once scoffed at the things of God. In fact, fun fact about Frosty, he came to be a Christian because he was trying to disprove Christians and he wanted to win in arguments against Christians so he did his research and realized all the research pointed to God. That's how Frosty became a Christian. But he thought that he was once completely disqualified. And yet, if you know anything about the God of the Bible, it is that he came to seek those, not who thought that they were righteous, but those who knew they were a sinner in need of a savior. You know, some of us have easy and quick access to God, like these young kids at the front. They are introduced at a young age, how beautiful that they have that upbringing in church. And for other people, maybe you've walked a tougher road and you wish that you had found church sooner. Well, guess what? You're here now and right now is what really matters. And what matters more than your journey is that you simply come to him because it's never too late to begin knowing Jesus. Whether you're three years old or 93, Jesus wants to know your heart. Jesus wants to know you. He wants to do this life with you. So it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter. It's never too late to find forgiveness and to find brand new life. It is never too late to say yes to knowing the God who made you. You see, the good thing about the gospel message of Jesus is that you don't have to travel 1,500 kilometers to see him. How good? That would be a really long walk, or it'd cost a lot of money in petrol money, especially in New Zealand. But God is so much closer than you could ever imagine. His name is Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. That means God is with us right now. In fact, scriptures say wherever two or more people are gathered in his name, He is there with them. So guess what, you're in the presence of God right now. He is closer than you think, and knowing Jesus is just on the other side of your worship and your surrender. If you think about it this way, if a horse is walking through the desert looking for water, it doesn't matter if the horse walked a short distance or a really long distance. Once they get to the water, their thirst will only be quenched if they take a drink. So it doesn't matter if you had a short road to Jesus or a long road to Jesus, what matters is when you're in the presence of living water, what matters is that you take a drink, that you actually embrace Jesus for who he is so that your thirst will be satisfied and you will never go thirsty again. So Jesus is for everyone and everyone has a journey. But the the really cool thing about this story is mentioned in the last few sentences of that scripture. And we can learn that the encounter they had with Jesus redirected them. It redirected them, it says, when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So they come to Jesus, they bow down and worship him, and then God's instruction to them is that they need to leave different than the way they came. I read that, and I was like, that'll preach, Frosty. Good notes. But you may have journeyed to Jesus a certain way, but God is saying, when you leave, I need you to go a different way, because when you leave his presence, you need to reconsider the journey that you are taking in life. You should leave different than the way that you came, and this is the message of Christmas. Wherever you've come from. Whatever it is that you are carrying today, no matter how much you think you are disqualified, if you come to Jesus, when you do, he will likely want to redirect your life and send you on a different journey. And that's out of love and out of care for you. He's not only gonna change the course of your life, but he will change the destination of your eternity. The thing is, is you'll still go home. Like these wise men, they still went back to their home country They went back to the people that were their family, but you cannot possibly journey through life the same once you've met Jesus, once you've worshiped him. Because worshiping God in complete surrender will will do a number of things for you. It can dry up the bitterness in your heart. It can soften a really hard heart. It can decrease the worry and the stress on your life. Worshiping God can make you deeply aware of how much grace you need, and that in turn makes you way more gracious towards other people. And that's just a few things that worshiping Jesus can do. You see, God warned the wise men after they had an encounter with Jesus. He said, hey, it's not safe to go back the way you came. In fact, I think you should go this way because I care about you. It's not safe to go back the way you came. And I feel like that's God's message to everybody that meets him, that has an encounter with him. He's saying, hey, I love you so much. I want to embrace you. I've got forgiveness for you. I've got grace for you. But I need you to know, not go back the way you came because I've got a different route for you, a different journey for you. And now that you know me, you need to live your life differently. See, God is so kind. He, he doesn't overpower us. It's a suggestion. It's a nudge. Hey, I think you should go back this way. That's what he prompted them in the dream when the wise man he said, you should go back this way. He didn't make them, he just nudged them. He spoke to them and then he allowed them to make the decision for their safety and for their well-being and for their own lives. God's like that with you. He's not gonna overpower you. Despite what non-Christians think, God is not gonna strike you down with lightning or set you ablaze on fire, okay? God loves you so much, he sent us the Holy Spirit who is called the comforter, he is our guide. So he's gonna nudge you here, he's gonna nudge you there, he's gonna say, that path, not so safe for you. That path, not so good for you. I think you should take that path over here, and that's how the Holy Spirit will guide us through this life. And that warning from God to these wise men to go a different route after meeting with Jesus ended up saving their lives. And I suspect this is why he offers the same guidance to us. Because Jesus said, if you hold on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give it up for my sake, there you will truly find it. LJ, you can come join me on keys. So today we celebrate at Christmas. And we, we enjoy all the extra bits. We enjoy the lights on the trees. We enjoy the presents, whether we've opened them or we're going to open them after church. We enjoy the food, all the yummy food. We enjoy all of the sights and the sounds and the smells. But we remember that all of it is based on some really important truth. And that truth that we hold on to is that Jesus loved us so much that he left his throne in heaven and he came down to earth to be born a baby to begin the journey towards the cross a sacrifice that he would have, would be made not just for jews but also for gentiles which is most of us it simply means non-jew and he did that because jesus is for everybody everybody that would accept him everybody that would receive the free gift of salvation. And despite the length, despite the difficulty of your journey, what matters most is that you come to him. And when you meet with him and you bow down before him, he will redirect your life in the most beautiful way because he cares about your safety. He cares about your soul. He cares about your eternity. And so as I close today, on this Christmas day, I find it fitting to extend an invitation to all those in the room that maybe you don't know Jesus. And maybe you walked a short road to get here or maybe it's been a really long road and maybe somebody has been praying for your soul for years. Well, I'm gonna offer an opportunity for you to pray a simple prayer where you can receive the greatest Christmas gift that you will ever get. It's the gift of salvation. It's a gift that redirects your life in a beautiful, powerful, amazing way. And it changes the destination of your eternity. And this prayer will do a couple things. It'll acknowledge that you believe Jesus is who he says he is. That Jesus is the one who left the throne room of heaven and he came down to this earth so that we might experience salvation, so that we might be reunited with our heavenly father. It acknowledges who he is, and it also acknowledges the condition of your heart. It it acknowledges that we're all sinners, and we all need a Savior. But it also is a chance to say, Jesus, I need you to be my Lord. I need you to redirect me. I need you to guide me and to show me what is best for my life, and I will trust you when you nudge me in a new direction. So I'm going to invite everybody in this room just to bow your heads and close your eyes as I pray for you. If you want to receive the gift of salvation today, if you want to unwrap the wonder of Jesus, if you want to say yes to a relationship with God that will change everything, including your eternity, then pray these words in your heart. Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son to be born a baby who eventually grew into a man who paid the price that I deserve to pay. Thank you that he took my place on that cross. Thank you that you rose him again to new life. Thank you that you offer that new life to me right now. I believe he is who you say he is. And right now, I ask for his forgiveness. Jesus, would you be my savior? And Jesus, would you be my Lord? Would you redirect my life? the most beautiful way I pray this in your almighty name